Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me podcast. Uh, we are continuing our study today of February the 24th to March the 1st, 2nd Nephi chapters 26 to 30, a marvellous work and a wonder. We're going to continue our study of the section which covers 2nd Nephi 26 to 27, what is the book mentioned in these chapters. Uh, we've learned from last episode that this refers to the Book of Mormon and now we're going to look at a couple more key features of the translation of this book and evidences for its uh, truth. So we're going to begin straight into verse 13, which says, And there is none other which shall view it, save it be a, be a few, according to the will of God, to bear testimony of his word unto the children of men. For the Lord God hath said that the words of the faithful should speak as, as if it were from the dust. Um, we have um, this phrase, the words speak as if they were from the dead from the faithful. And this indicates that there are numerous uh, speakers and writers within the Book of Mormon. And this we know as uh, study people who study the Book of Mormon is what is the case, that there are people such as Nephi and Jacob and Lehi, uh, right from the beginning, who are all giving their commentary and feedback into the Book of Mormon. We also have phrases and quotes from characters and individuals such as Laman and Lemuel. Uh, and we then move on further through the book and we have Mormon and Alma and Helaman and all sorts of uh, writers and prophet historians who have kept and speak within this record. Now, this is one of the, um, I guess, claims that the Book of Mormon has that it is written uh, and commented in and quoted by numerous people, not just one author. Uh, and this is obviously something which is a key feature of this book. It's also something which is questioned by others is it possible that a single author wrote the book of mormon i mean obviously some people believe that joseph smith wrote the book of mormon and did not translate it critics of the book do uh, and so th that is a question that can be looked at and studied is it possible that this book was indeed written by one man or by one person or rather than a a multitude of different prophet historians in an OI number 399, is it possible that a single author wrote the Book of Mormon? Uh, Book of Mormon Central dives into this and studies this, and it actually builds on from a recent, uh, from a previous OI that they did about this question. So what they did is they used um, stylometric methods to research into whether multiple styles or voices were within the Book of Mormon. Um, they use a technique called principal component analysis, which means they study the vocabulary, the grammatical structure, the, the, the words that are often used by specific speakers within the Book of Mormon. And they did this uh, as well with four highly regarded 19th century novelists, Charles Dickens, Jane Austen, Samuel Clemens, who was Mark Twain, and James Fenimore Cooper. And so they plotted this onto a graph to see kind of um, what these four well-regarded authors had in terms of their ability of being able to create different voices and characters within their works. And they found that, yes, they were able to, within their areas, cr create very varied char characters who had distinct personalities and, and voices and uh, grammatical kind of constructs. Uh, and so this and what I'm going to do is I'm going to share these graphs onto the Facebook group because I can't really do with this on a podcast. But basically, when you have them, um, whilst they do create characters who are distinct and separate, there is then what you, you this graph then shows this diversity that this individual author can can produce. 
Uh, and so, you know, they are quite respectable and they are quite varied in the characters that they produce. But what is interesting is that when you do the same study on the Book of Mormon, the 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 breadth and the depth of the differences in the diversity of the characters and the clear dif distinct different voices um, are even greater than that uh, than those created by the greatest authors of the time in the nineteenth century. Um, that they kind of eclipse the amount of variety and depth in character voices that these four well-known authors have in their works. Um, so that level of diversity among the Book of Mormon characters surpassed the diversity amongst the fictional characters created uh, by the 19th century novelists. Um, and actually, what's even more astounding is that the diversity, when you kind of group these four um, authors together, and kind of create a, a super kind of graph with all of theirs combined, a composite version of all their characters combined. The Book of Mormon voices um, kind of it, the the diversity in the Book of Mormon characters is even larger than the, than those four uh, novelists combined in eight of their works. And this states and this shows why the Book of Mormon must have been written uh, by more than one person. And obviously, you know, it, it doesn't remove the arguments of critics that it was other people that that helped in this work but it does remove the, the question that joseph smith wrote it by himself uh that this this you know 19th century farmhand who had very little education who only had 90 days 60 odd work 65 working days to produce this book of mormon um with no evidence beforehand that he was writing any notes or making any preparation for the work beforehand um, was able to create this piece of work which rivaled and and eclipsed the 19th century, or the great 19th century authors at the time in their works of being able to create different characters. Anyway, I'll I'll post the uh, the snapshots of the graphs onto the Facebook group as well. And obviously, you know, this is only a physical kind of temporal witness of the Book of Mormon that it was written by more than one author or even a couple. Uh, but you know, obviously, the most important. Uh, aspects or understanding or truth that we find of the book of mormon is that it is a spiritual witness from the holy ghost um, and in, in fact in verse 14 it talks about the mouth of many witnesses and we know that there were many witnesses of this book to to again uh, state uh, the the truth of this work we know there was three witnesses the eight witnesses we also have um, some witnesses like emma smith and lucy mack smith who interacted with the plates didn't necessarily see them but kind of felt of their their substance and their and their their weight and so on, but Mary Whitmer was also a, a witness uh, of the plates and she actually saw the record uh, and was shown them by Moroni uh, in a in a uh, experience which is well recorded and uh, I encourage you to study into that if you if you weren't aware of this. In verse fifteen it says, "But behold, it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall say unto him to whom he shall deliver the book, take these words which are not sealed and deliver them to another." that he may show them unto the learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And the learned shall say, Bring hither the book, and I will read them. Now, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will recognize this as the discussion and, and uh, interchange of words between Martin Harris and Charles Anton. Uh, but what we, what, we, what we don't know, or what some might not know, is that Charles Anton actually wasn't um, the first scholar which 
um, Martin Harris went to. He actually went first to a, a, a lawyer, a linguist, a diplomat and statesman called Luther Bradish. And Bradish and Harris knew each other fairly well and their families were well acquainted. So it's not a surprise that he would go to him first. Um, however, it's a shame because Bradish had traveled to Egypt and the Middle East and so would have had some knowledge of um, ancient Egyptian uh, languages. But um, there is no details of this interchange between them or there is no record of it. Well, there's a record that he went, but there's no record of what was discussed. Uh, he then went to Samuel L. Mitchell, who was also a well-learned and respected nat naturalist uh, who was interested in anthropological and linguistic studies of local Indian tribes. Um, again, he went there, and and it seems Mitchell said something to the effect of it. He compared the characters and found it similar to hieroglyphics discovered in Egypt, and uh, stated that they were, you know, of the language of the people, but not the same language that was there now, which, you know, would, would make sense. And then after that, Mitchell uh, recommends Charles Anton, whose uh, exchange with Martin Harris we do know a bit more detail of. Um, what we do need to recognize is what was exactly said is difficult because both men state different things. We know the accounts of Martin Harris from the Pearl of Great Price, that Charles Anton read the, the characters cross-referenced them and, and stated that they were a true translation, gave a certificate to Martin Harris, and then asked where the record had come from. Martin Harris gave the accounts of the angel Moroni and so on, and the gold plates. And Charles Anton basically ripped up the certificate and stated that, you know, God doesn't speak to man and that he'll take care of the translation of the record if it's brought to him. And then said the famous phrase, I cannot read a sealed book. Um, Charles Anton, on the other hand, um, you know, states that he doesn't, uh, that he, well, he he denies that he uh, endorsed this record and that he had warned Harris that he was being taken by for a con. Now, what's interesting about this is that both records could be true, that Charles Anton did, you know, state that they weren't true. And that is what Martin Harris said uh, to the effect of once he realized where the record came from uh, and that, you know, he warned Martin Harris but also it is possible that he did agree that they were true beforehand. But obviously we cannot be certain of what was actually the case in their discussion. But what is one key thing, I think, is that Martin Harris left from his visits to these three scholars even more assured about the truth and the, and the um, well, yeah, the truth of this work and that it was indeed a true record and that it was the Lord's work. So it would suggest that there was things said and things commented to Martin Harris, which made him state that this was, you know, the hand of the, the, the work of the Lord in, in progress. Uh, we're going to skip ahead to verse 25, uh, which says, For as much as, the, as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do honour me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the precepts of men. Um, this is obviously quoted, uh, as we know, in the first vision. But what we need to understand is that this doesn't just apply to churches at the time of Joseph Smith, but it can apply to us, just like all scriptures can be likened un unto us. Um, Franci Francisco uh, J. Vinus 
said, without the proper obedience that must accompany our intent, the effect of remission may disappear before long and the companionship of the Spirit begins to withdraw. We will run the risk of honouring him with our lips while removing our hearts from him. In addition to comforting us, the pleasing word of God warns us that this process of receiving a remission of our sins can be interpreted when we become entangled with the vanities of the world, and it can be resumed through faith if we sincerely repent and humble ourselves, close quote. Which is why, obviously, our prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, has talked about and has encouraged daily repentance, a daily change, a daily connection with the Lord. And it's that word connection that seems to be propping up everywhere since um, I listened to that recent uh, presentation. That this connection is, is such a key thing. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed the study today. If there's anything that uh, you've been studying around the coming forth of the Book of Mormon in these chapters or anything really in your Come Follow Me study or anything outside of your Come Follow Me study, I'd love to hear it either at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter. You can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com or of course you can join the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ study se- uh, with Come Follow Me study session. Uh, it'd be great to hear your comments. Great to see more and more people joining each day uh, and hopefully we'll be begin to be able to develop a community of discussion uh, about the word and it'll be and it'll be about the restored church, uh, the restored gospel. Um, it'll be very uplifting and edifying, I'm sure. Thanks for listening, and until we meet again. <laughs>